My name is Dimitri, and I'm a productivity and minimalism enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and ethics enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets philosophy. And what it means to build a better life. Enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you are not on our private subscriber feed, and you will only be hearing a portion of this episode. If you'd like to listen to the full-length episode, you'll need to go to riseproductive.com membership or sign up on your favorite podcasting app for exclusive access. From there, you'll also get access to our exclusive newsletter, the weekly pour-over, our private members-only Slack community, and any other subscriber-only content. So if you enjoy what we are doing here, please consider becoming a member. Upon editing this episode of the Rise Productive Podcast, we had another fun audio issue. This time, it's the least bad, but for some reason, it put some sort of weird compression that was supposed to be an audio enhancement, and since this is a new machine, a setting was ticked on that's new and doesn't need to be there, I unchecked it, and we won't be having this problem in the future. Thank you for understanding. So, we're back here again, and I can happily say that I have a microphone that works. He has a microphone that actually works for real this time. He's not holding a mic up to his face that actually is just picking up from the laptop. He's not using earbuds. He's got a mic mic. It's like my fancy one at home, but but I, I bought it and now it's on the road. It's the road mic. Big upgrade from the snowball for your uh, your second mic, like your kind of mobile mic. Yeah, I used to use the uh, Blue Snowball on the road and then have an Audio-Technica 182020 at home. Uh, but then I was like, I got to get the 182020 USB so I can just plug this kind of thing in. Uh, if I like it a lot, I might change it. See, this is the minimalism in me just being being a clown and being like, so I don't really want a preamp because like that's extra work to have items. So like I'd get a USB version of this. I'd like another one. Mm-hmm. So to clean up like space. You would get another microphone? Like another AT2020 USB. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like whenever you get sick of the one you have, you know. Like now? Like <laughs> He's like, well, this uh, the expiration date on that is already up. So you want to help a brother out? No. Um, <laughs> no, but I really like this guy. It sounds like 98% the same. There's like a little difference. I can't really notice much. It's probably fine. The only difference probably comes from the fact that this laptop's different and I have like, I don't know. I'm weird with audio. How are you? Doing good. Yeah, it's been a... When's the last time we spoke? A few days ago? Like in real life? No, I mean on the podcast. Oh. Last week. Okay, last week, yeah. So it's, it's been a good couple of, days of, um, couple of days of work. You and I went and... Um, kind of explored a couple different neighborhoods in Chicago. So that was fun. That was a good Sunday. And then um, mm-hmm. had a few days of work. I got a day off tomorrow. I'm going to a baseball game. And uh, yeah, everything has been feeling good. I mean, I wrote some productive brews. I um, got some stuff edited. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a good little flow right now. I kind of wish I just got to work four days in a row instead of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Because I kind of really like ta- task batching that and just waking up at the same time every day, kind of being in that flow for a few days and then having like the extended weekend to be in like a, a second flow of like waking up a little bit later and doing things a little differently. 
Were you, because you had to switch Wednesday, Thursday and Wednesday to get the Cubs game. Or were you going to work Friday no matter what? So typically I'm Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And that's because of the, the, the way that social obligations had to work out. I had to make it that way before, but now I don't have to. And so okay. I kind of wish I was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is what I'm saying more so. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I would I would always prefer that. Just like a nice long weekend. At work, we have a nice four-day, four-and-a-half-day work week, and it's really nice. Like I couldn't imagine them throwing the half day on like a Wednesday or something. I'd just be like, why? Yeah, it'd be just completely unnecessary. There's nothing you can capitalize on on a Wednesday. Yeah, like with a weekend, there's always something that could come up in another town that you're friends with people, and then you can make, you know you're going to be on time for like dinner or something. Yeah, no, that's not... It's not ideal, but that's what you get for working in um, retail. Everyone wants to come on the weekend, and so weekends are uh, the time where we need the most people to be working. So I'm actually pretty lucky that I don't work Saturday or Sunday, and only Friday. Yeah, I was thinking about the other day, the fact that you're not A1 stuff. Um, Well, that's good. We've been running together recently. I haven't ran with you in like... Uh, God. Uh, Probably since, uh, yeah, um, May 2021. Jeez Louise. Yeah, and even then at that point, it wasn't often. Like, we'd run on easy days together because that's hard training groups. Like, we, we wouldn't really run in training groups together. Yeah. But since we lived together, it was really easy. Dang, yeah, no, it's been a minute. That's yeah, weird. I mean, you, you came and visited a couple times. At practice this year. Yeah. But you mostly ran with the, the big MDs, not with me. Yeah. It's just different. I'm not like, not as spry as I used to be. <laughs> I'm old. Hey, yeah. I'll shout you out right here. You, for as much as you've been out of the game, you've, you've put down some serious miles for uh for basically doing nothing before that. I would be destroyed if I were you and did the runs that we've done. Thank you. Because like the other day at the Glen and then yesterday when it was like nine miles, nine and a half, you know, according to my watch, nine and like a half. Um, yeah, I feel like I would have been, t- I feel like a fair amount of individuals would be toast because I don't really, my aerobic system is shot and, or not shot. It just doesn't exist because <laughs> I, like the, what you lose quickest is your, your aerobic capabilities. So, right. Yeah. No, this, this has been weird. Like when I tried to do the nine yesterday, afterwards I I was like, I was feeling okay. I the only reason I think I'm able to do it is because I'm still in shape, and like have put on no fat. Yeah, that's a good point. Every time I go on my off time and I know that I'm coming back for another cycle, I put on like ten, fifteen pounds, and then when I first come back, I'm like, man, it's like I'm carrying a backpack right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I I I am just like perpetually afraid. That I'm going to put on weight. It's a whole thing. I don't feel like runner. Maybe one episode can be about how runners don't maybe have a healthy relationship with their weight. But that could be another episode for another <laughs> day. Um, I'm good. Works good. I'm finally like getting into the weeds. I'm a weed man now. Doing work. Did some like Excel stuff. And Google Sheet stuff I was proud of. Which I can't say is something I commonly say. Um... We weren't really able to use Google Sheets at the old gig because of compliance reasons. And Google Sheets has like not more capabilities than Excel, 
in a lot of ways, but some of it is nice in the fact that it can like import data from other Google Sheets and it can like, it, it can use like the online side of it more. So I did some fancy-ish there and I was very happy with it. So it's been like fun. Don't quote me on that. Nice. Yeah. Hey, you said something to me the other day. You were like, yeah, I'm actually like really enjoying using Excel right now. And I'm like, productivity guy is, you like Excel? It's a nasty combination, boys. What That is kind of nasty. If we ever get a business, um, yeah, I feel like the, this could come in handy. I don't know for what way or what, how. I, I genuinely don't know how it could come in handy for a business, but I mean... Every business is using it, so it's got to come in handy somehow. Yeah. And then outside of that, yeah, I feel like I can run a couple miles without feeling like garbage. Put some strides under me. I'll be out here doing workouts with the boys. No, I won't. Screw that. <laughs> Screw that. Um, after being a D1 athlete, just I don't want to try hard anymore at working out. And my mom asked me the other day, don't you feel so much stress relief? After you run, isn't that's why you like mainly do it, right? I'll go, no. She's like, what? I was like, well, do I gain stress relief from working out? Yes. Has it ever been the driver? No. There's two main things that drive me to work out. I'll ask yours and then we'll get onto the topic. One, I'm kind of like dumb jockhead where it's like, look at what I did flex on a mfr like whether it be to myself <laughs> or to others like i never will verbally be like look what i did look how fast or like look what i lifted but in my head i'm like you know edgelord flex on a guy look at what i did i i i do that because i like the i don't know the the whole muscle the meathead sort of part of it uh and it makes me and and i want to be healthy like I've always been somebody who has been perpetually like, I am never going to put weight on. I don't want to. So those two things are like, can't get fat. Yeah. I'm a meathead. Both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with those. I don't think those are my main drivers though. I mean, maybe it'll change over time, but I think that my post collegiate running will probably be a little different than yours. Cause I really do like the way it makes me think, makes me feel in the moment. I really do like just enjoy like exploring and like, like when I go on a vacation, I do just love going for a run because you get to see the place in a different way. You think about it in a different way. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a, I've had some romantic moments of running, but that's kind of soft. Yeah. I also dislike it because it's uh, just a good challenge. Like, I just feel like it's like you wake up. I mean, at least when we used to run in the morning, it felt like I had already accomplished a big thing that day. Having said, like, I just did a big workout and now I'm going to go to class. Or, like, I rolled up to work today and I was like, yeah, you know, I already did, like, 12 miles this morning. And everyone else is like, yeah, I rolled out of bed at 10. I'm very aligned with you on this one. I definitely think that kind of goes in line with my meatheadedness. Maybe this you're mm -hmm. articulating it better than me. Um, yeah, for me, it's not like a physical flex. It's just like a... It's kind of a work flex. Like, yeah, look how productive I am. I think it, it's, it's actually probably both. Because... I think it's more ancillary the fact that I enjoy it in the other ways like you mentioned with like the views and stuff like when I had been to Hawaii and ran through it I was like so beautiful most of the time I was thinking about like look at the mileage I'm putting down look at all these people on vacation being lazy and gaining weight 
not not <laughs> like directly that harsh but like there's the the difference between what you're actually thinking and your subconscious mind everyone knows that there's like an underlying ism to you know what i mean like yeah i never was saying in my head those things but there was a little bit of like oh look at me without me physically saying it to myself so glad we know what our motivations are about running and what our motion motivations are about optimizing things too much is going to be interesting and or not because this episode is going to talk about the optimization plague. plague. Yeah, let's get into it with a little enthusiast quote of the week from the uh, upcoming audiobook that we're going to review here soon, 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. He says, becoming more efficient just makes you more rushed and trying to clear the decks simply fills them up again faster. That's a good one. You know, I recently updated my Evergreen Notion workspace to have a better My Books section. So I've been putting down quotes for this book too. So I'm glad you pulled that one. I don't know if you've been taking notes or not, but I have been with my new updated book template, which will be on a YouTube video shortly. And I think Oliver may be one of the new wave productivity people in the next few years because he is much different than for example who sparked this conversation which was ali abdal making a video about uh my productive skincare routine and i'm i read the title and went oh my god not again and it's nothing against ali he's not the one like doing it outright or he's he may be part of the reason it's being perpetuated but it is really true the more efficient we become it just makes you more rushed and trying to clear the deck simply makes then fill it up again faster. There's a principle that Oliver talks about in his book called the efficiency paradox, which is quite literally something you've articulated to me that I do with my own time in the mornings on this podcast, like 37 <laughs> and a half times. Yeah, yeah. It, it is funny. Like, it, I feel like I really like this book because it's just kind of validating some of the things I've always thought on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, yeah, like, am I soft for, like, telling me, it's like, hey, like, when you get more efficient, you should give yourself more time to sleep or, like, more time to, like, enjoy your life. <laughs> and then you and then you don't do that. And I'm like, man, and like, am, am I the one who's, like, not being productive right now? But I'm like, no, like, then we read deep work and some of the stuff like this where it's, like, it's a, always a balance. I'm like, okay, I, I'm just trying to balance the, the scales right here. So I'm glad I have Oliver to kind of cite here. But, yeah, I think yeah. there's a, the Ali Abdel video was just absolutely... It's too far. It, it, it comes to a point where you read these books and you watch this stuff on YouTube. And even if it's just clickbait, it's just, there's a video. Did I ever shown you the, um, the, the guy, the video of the German dude? He might not be German. That's just what I'm finding from his accent where he rips on Ollie. The guy that left me a giant hate comment. No, I don't think so. Yeah, there's this dude, he's got like a a logo of um like a ghost or something. I think you've explained this guy to me before, but I haven't directly seen him. Yeah, so he made a video called like the King of the Toxic King of Productivity, which is about Ali Abdal. And he showcases other parts where Ali goes like, Oh, I watch anime productively and and like uh, all you gotta do is watch it on three times speed and then you fast forward through all of the uh not the dialogue I'm sure. like the filler kind yeah, the of the filler kind of yeah yeah and and he means like yeah some of the best parts of shows yeah totally totally stupid and he does make some good articulate points there about you know you really shouldn't try to 
fundamentally be productive when watching anime. Yeah. Or like the fact that Ali Abdel doesn't listen to music. Like he'll only listen to audiobooks whenever he's like listening to something. He'll only listen to an audiobook or a podcast. And it's like, fine, fine. You want to learn things, but like, yeah. Everyone likes music, man. There's like, this is part of you that's like, I'm trying, and this is like the first example we can use here, but like trying to optimize like your intelligence or like your like productivity understanding at the expense of just enjoying like music or even like putting yourself into a flow state where it's yeah. like you have a good rhythm and you're just like, you're just like vibing with like cleaning or whatever you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And there's actually, uh, it's a funny contradictory point because I'm curious how Ollie's going to talk about this in his upcoming book, which the thesis is in order to be productive, you need to do things that make you happy to refill your bucket and constantly get fulfilled by the productive work that you're doing so that you can keep the output going. So it's like, um, have you heard of this thing called music? Like, <laughs> I, I just, it, it's, it's about like, he better bring that up as an option. Yeah. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder, like, does he really, not like music like is he that dude that's okay like we're not trying to like hate on the guy if he does like music it's just the whole point is like it that that is a very enjoyable thing for many right yeah i don't know if he actually recommends that people don't listen to music i just i just know that's what he's personal choice yeah yeah that's what he does at the expense of productivity but it, it it feeds into this whole perpetual like let's focus on being productive in all facets of life you see like i i watch anime on three times speed i listen to audiobooks on two and a half three times speed and something that we learned from stillness is the key was like you know what can you like listen to this or read this like slow because you'll probably (laughs) get more of it and it'll be more impactful on you yeah exactly and i think that I felt like a coward because I, I was still on like 1.2 times speed for that book, <laughs> but I didn't go like 1.5, 1.7 like I typically go. Okay. Two is even too fast for me. But yeah, I mean, you can definitely comprehend things and like gain an ear for like 2x speed, 2.5x speed. I've done it before, but yeah, there's something to be said about just letting your mind kind of uh, marinate with the idea. Like even if you're comprehending everything, like, especially with stillness is the key, there were so many short chapters and it's yeah. like you immediately go through that chapter in like five minutes and then you jump to the next chapter versus like kind of sitting with that chapter for 10, 15 minutes, not just to comprehend what is actually being said, but to kind of interact with it with your own thoughts. Like you give your brain a couple more minutes to actually just think like, oh, what is Ryan Holiday trying to articulate here? What are examples in my life? Not just saying, oh, that was a good story that he said, move on. Well, it's like you often phrase this differently, but I always say people seem to miss the forest for the trees and yours would be more, what is it like the mean, the difference between the means and the end. Oh, the means and the end. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel like when I think hard enough, I wrap my head around it. Which one's which? Like the means is what you do to get to the end. So people often miss the, what what, what would you articulate better with that in terms of uh, like in this example I I feel like people often miss I got to get through more of the books or I got to get through the knowledge it's like no 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 no. the whole point is knowledge gain but you're 
you're kind of going about it in a way that you input more knowledge as if that is going to lead to more application is like really the whole trees thing or the forest yeah. thing. You, you, what yeah. are you going to do with the damn book? <laughs> yeah, I think the, well, means to the end and force of the trees, I think are two different analogies, but force of the trees is more like detail versus big picture. I think this is the, the analogy you want here yeah. is that like people are, trying to think big picture it's like oh look how many books i got through this year on audiobook but it's like no you, you big picture you you have knowledge that then you apply to your life yeah exactly and you got to get into the weeds a little bit to actually get the knowledge like better you read 10 books really thoroughly than you read 100 books in a year and i think it's good that we we do this monthly cadence and i've personally switched to 1x speed on everything since Brian told us to, I guess, and it didn't use that as a action item, but could have been for the stillness is the key. Like I, I, I actually listened to him and said, you know what, Ryan, you're right. I can spend <laughs> a couple more minutes listening to you talk to me and let it sit better. Good for you. That's a good action item. I've been doing that with um, 4,000 weeks and I do like the cadence that we're at because I think there's easily a world where we could just sit here and be like, yeah, let's just be like the guys who listen to productivity and like philosophy books and talk about them. Like we could just do book reviews every week and we could, we could get that done if we really wanted to. But it's not worth it when we're thinking about books the way we do, where we're trying to get an action item and really try to live out the message of this book rather than again, getting back to the point here, just optimizing the productivity, the numbers, the output of podcasts just for the sake of doing the thing rather than living out the lessons. Yeah. And, and something that we're going to probably bring up some things that we see in, in our personal lives with others we know, or even with ourselves. Uh, and something that came to mind, I think for, from you was don't calorie count, just cook your own food. Yeah. And I think this is, this is a good example when you, Talk to me about the uh, the Ali Abdul skincare productive skincare routine. I was like, yeah, the first thing I think about what people improperly optimize their life. I think about food. I think about calories and how it is just so absurd that we count calories. And the people who are counting calories are typically the people. I'm not trying to make a generalization. I will hedge. I'm not trying to make a generalization, but typically the people who have some kind of issue with their diet. And I just don't think that's the solution because sure, like I'm sure there's good supplements out there. You can take vitamins or athletic greens or all that stuff, but these aren't the solutions in and of themselves. Like you can't like have one of those protein shakes and like have that to replace a meal. That's just wrong. Like just because it has like the carbs and the proteins and the fats, like you can't just get some liquid that optimizes your I don't know, the input you need and then just hope that it will make you healthy and that's what you need. Like, here's an example. Candace Parker, there's a new ad for a protein shake, like pre-made protein thing on TV recently and it's got like 40 grams, 42 grams of protein. I'm like, you can't absorb more than 30 at a time. Like yeah. scientifically proven, you, you like mid-30s at most is what we can take in unless you're taking specific supplements to go along with it that maybe can increase it to almost 40s but that's probably not in the drink so i don't 
I'm like, why are you advertising? Like you get 40 grams of protein. I'm like, yeah, but you really get the same as like someone who's advertising with 30. You're just kind of pulling a fast one on the general population. <laughs> like, this is an example of like getting the perfect amount of protein into your diet. It's like, no, just you worked out, right? Like get protein in, eat good food, make home food. Like for example, not trying to use myself as an example, but I mean, I was a division one athlete. Something that commonly happens when somebody like myself, who was a cross country runner, goes down the route of not doing it anymore. They stop running. And the next thing you know, they put on probably in a year's time, I've seen former fellow teammates put on anywhere from 10 to 35 pounds, right? Which for guys that are like around six foot or used to weigh in the 140 to 160 range, that's a lot of weight. Yeah, for sure. But I, I know for a fact they've told me these numbers. And I didn't, I don't count my calories. People have asked me, do you count your calories? You put on some muscle, you don't look like you've gained any other kind of weight. It's like, no. Well, what do you do? Well, I started intermittent fasting because that would mean I'd eat less because I'm not doing as much working out. Right. But what no, else I mean, have you done? That's it. When you eat from home. Oh, yes. And I eat from home and I specifically don't have dessert. Like it's two things. Eat less, don't have sweets. Yeah, man. And I think, I mean, there's a whole market of gimmicks and food optimization, fuel optimization. And I think generally it is good to follow those rules, but in a very general sense. It's like, yeah, like carbs, protein, fat, like great general structure for how things should go down. But you can't make it that scientific, specifically when the science just isn't there. Like food science is such a blurry subject because it is so person to person that like you can find one study that tells you that fat is great for you, go keto. And then there's another study that says fat's terrible for you. And that's what you saw in the early 2000s, late 90s, where everybody was just trying to cut out fat and do like a... I don't know. And then they were cutting out carbs because carbs are sugar that then turns into fat. It's like, whoa. And it's just like, <laughs> don't try to, like, stop trying to optimize this thing. Do simple habits to put it, to put your food back into your control. And, but don't try to make absolute control of these things and completely just increase the utility of your input. Like, just cook from home. People who are worried about counting calories the same people who are always reading these labels of drinks and food at restaurants, typically like fast food restaurants, but anywhere that yeah, counts sure. calories. These are the same people who are constantly eating out and looking at that stuff. It's like, just stop. <laughs> this is something that, that I find pretty stark in generation is why is it that the previous generations did not have access to this information, yet they were not as overweight generally as a society. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a like information paralysis. I just think that it's like a it's a toxic over optimization where it's like we think it's formulaic when yeah. actually your body would probably your body tells you a lot of things when it comes to food. I mean, that's the reason that you crave salt, sugar, and sweets and all that stuff is because back when we were just primitive beings, a quick way to get energy was to have something that was really salty or really sugary. 
And so that's why we crave things like big soft pretzels and ice cream. Mm, I love me a good soft pretzel. Me too. Yeah, you, you, get some, you get some ice cream with some fries in there. It's both at the same time. Whoo. Yeah. But why do you go crazy for that? <laughs> because our primitive monkey brain is saying those are the things that get me calories and energy the quickest versus like leafy greens, which are going to have less calories and less carbs, basically. And what was really interesting is I had a moment there for a little bit where I thought I was going to put on weight. I hadn't looked at the scale for a while because I stopped doing cardio in the winter and I just assumed something would happen. Uh, and then I remember going to the scale and didn't put any weight on. And I went, what the? F-? Like, I just looked and went, I'm the same. And then <laughs> I thought to myself, well, you don't eat as much as you probably think you do. Maybe you feel different because you don't do cardio, but you kept it simple and you don't need to count your calories. Cause I was thinking about starting to count calories. And then I, I went back to my whole, to this mindset of this makes no sense. Just don't focus on it. And like, for example, if you, if you're going to go to Starbucks, and get like a triple shot espresso foam cappuccino or let I don't even know with like a bunch of milk and yeah. and, and the the sweeteners and stuff. Why are you counting that? Yeah, don't count your calories. It's already lost. It's like, oh, I'm going to take out. It, there was actually something really funny that one of my, uh, uh, the, the teammate I told you about this weekend when we had that chat about him. Um, he used to call out other teammates about it when they were like, having a salad to to like go along with something really bad they ate. He's like, you, it doesn't, it doesn't get rid of, like, what do you think it does? Is it a, like a one-to-one offset? <laughs> he's like, what do you, he's like, what do you think happens? Like those calories still exist. Not that like you don't need them because we're training 70 miles a week, but you're not going to supplement the, you're not, it's not like, okay, you put 9,000 yeah, bad, it's not a wash. you put 2,000 bad calories in you, but you had a salad. You can't get the house salad with the steak and just say, yeah, it's a wash. It's like, no, you still had the, you still had the big thing. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just not formulaic. And I guess the point I'm making about like us craving sugar and salt is that your body is going to tell you a lot of things. And I think if you're really in tune with that, if you're really just giving an honest listen and whether that means like doing like a food journal or just doing some practice in mindfulness when you are cooking or even when you're eating, like Thich Nhat Hanh, he has this great thing where he says that um, when you're eating an orange, you should really like taste every slice, really feel it in your hands, like feel it in your mouth. Like how does it taste? How does it make your body feel? Like people don't do that with their food often enough. Yeah. And if we did, if we listened to our body, I think we'd be in a much better place than trying to follow all the information that continues to contradict itself over the decades. Well, like, there's a very interesting thing about muscle atrophy and, and um, last point on the food thing before maybe we go into another tangent you're familiar with a common conception that is you should have protein immediately after working out, right? Yeah. And then carbs later. Yes. Technic, no, I don't want to say technically, there is contradictory evidence, evidence coming out recently about that. Where essentially the window where your body produces what essentially causes protein to attach to those muscles that are broken down is like 24 hours. And actually, if you're in a fasted state like I am, that doesn't peak until about five hours after you work out. 
because mm. I was trying to figure out how I was putting on muscle, even though I wouldn't eat for like three or four hours after I lifted. Because mm-hmm. the common knowledge, prevailing sentiment is that you have to have it right after. Right. But truly right. that there's like a 24 hour window. Where it's like literally just have a lot of protein in the day, at, the day from you working out. So it's wow. even, it's, it's once again, this whole, like, you don't need to optimize it specifically when just like have protein, dude, you, you lifted weights. <laughs> That's funny. That's, um, quick tangent before we go on to the next thing of, of optimize optimization. But, um, the, are you familiar with the, uh, the hundred mile or no, the 24 hour, um, most miles ran in a day, like world champ. Uh, what's his name? His name is a uh, Zach bitter. Maybe. And he's like a, um, like he's very proud to be a carnivore. And I remember listening to a podcast with him and he was, I thought it was so crazy because I was like so hung up on the idea of getting protein right after your run. And he was like, yeah, after an ultra marathon, you know, I really, I really don't worry about the food I get right away, but I, for the next week, I'll just basically only eat meat. And I'm like, that's so disgusting. But he's like, it's really good for recovery. Grody. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, like, and I can sit here and hate on it and say there's science that veganism or vegetarianism would be way better for your recovery, but it works for him. I mean, he's a world record holder and I'm not, and he's a carnivore and Legend. I, am, I am not. And so it's just, it just goes to show like people think they have knowledge on certain things and you can follow the stats all day, but I think you have to just listen to your body on that one. Stop trying to optimize your intake. I feel like the monkey brain comes into play here. The the simple fact that you like sugar and, and salt and stuff. This this goes in line with a lot of other different things that we can make the comparison to here. And we've talked about it offline, well, uh, outside of this, but often it's more self-restraint than anything that leads to success and or what you want. Like, for mm-hmm. example... Just don't have the thing that you're craving. Just don't have the bad food. So then naturally you're going to have more protein in your diet because like a well-balanced diet that's a little less desirable, has more vegetables and what and and more whole foods. Right. And even along the lines of this next bullet we wrote that was like people drop thousands of dollars on bikes to get faster at riding their bike uh, in order to like optimize their performance. And the same goes in the running community. I see people with alpha flies or next percents on on the path. And I'm like, are you doing a workout? Are you like running a half or a full or even a 5k race right now? No. Why are you spending all this money on it? Like go out there and run consistently, do workouts twice a week and you'll, you'll be faster than the general population. And another thing with the biking thing, and the biggest reason I wrote this is that people think they can optimize an experience or optimize their fun. Like, uh, you know, even more so than the performance, the experience, yeah. Yeah, because most people, I mean, the ends is not performance. They're just doing it recreationally, and they just think that if they buy a really lightweight bike and really good components and parts, they'll have more fun. And I just don't think that's true. You know something ridiculous I heard about the other day? Is that there are actually people who have jobs that they're just like agents or like planners for people planning on a vacation to go to Disney World. (laughs) 
Did I tell you about this? <laughs> no. What the hell? I was I was talking with someone about this, and this person that I was speaking to was considering it themselves. Is that like there are people who others will go to, like a family will go to, and say like, yeah, like we're, we have a, a trip to Disney World coming up, and there's someone should do at Disney World. That would, can you help us plan this trip? in order to optimize our experience, optimize the fun we'll have, like avoid lines and hit things that we really will enjoy. Like we will give you money for that if you give us a good plan. And I'm like, that is so interesting. Ridiculous. No, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> You're like, no, it's not interesting. It's ridiculous and stupid and let me tell you why. I'm uninterested. I don't like it. I hate it. Cancel that job. Internal newsletter joke. Um <laughs> I totally see where you're coming from. That is actually really weird. Uh, The fact of the matter is often with experiences, yeah, I feel like we we go too far in on the let's optimize it side of things. Like my least favorite thing on the planet is when you're going to the beach for the day. It's like the classic like, I don't say mom thing. Mm -hmm. It could be a dad. It could be anybody. Like it's the classic person who jumps in and says, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. We're going to bring some watermelon. We're going to bring chips. We're going to bring, it's like, okay, what is it? Yeah, we're not having open heart surgery here. We're going to the damn beach. Like I'm going to the Michigan dudes. <laughs> like I don't need this much of a game plan going into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about this and it's like a little bit of adversity wouldn't hurt you. Like a little bit of not planning, not optimizing things and just like going through a little rough patch. It's fun. You know, you, you make jokes of it. You make, keep it lighthearted it can turn out to be more fun than trying to optimize the experience, which is bound to have some kind of pitfall that's really going to upset you when your expectation is through the roof. So this weekend, Chance and I went to Lord knows where, like all over the damn place. I was trying to explain this experience to my family on Monday and it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was a day later and, and I was much fresher in my mind, but we went like through Palmer Square to like a, 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 a what the heck is it called? Wicker Park? It, Yes. And then Ukrainian Village. Yes, but those are the three places. But we did, like, we went to a thrift shop. We, at first, we just stopped into a random candy store and snuck a milkshake in there because hot damn, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we went to the uh, the depot, whatever, what was it called? The the thrift store. Village Discount. Village Discount. And then yeah. we went to, a, a, like, a, a random bookstore and then yeah. a random coffee shop and then a random restaurant. And that was one of the funnest days I've had in the summer in a long time. And I think it's because we're like, we're going to go explore vaguely this part of the city slash end in the Ukrainian village. And that worked out really. Didn't, did you feel like that was a good day? No, it was a really fun day. And it was just like, there was no plan. I mean, I, I generally kind of knew like one or two spots in the area. Like I knew that bookshop I'd been there before, but that was just like a general like home base. And like we, we opened so much more of the map that I'd never seen. I'm thinking about one of those games where it's like if you haven't explored the, the that part of yeah, the map, yeah, yeah. like you can't see it. <laughs> yeah, 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 like the open <laughs> it world. Yeah. Up, like, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It opened up the mental map for me so much, and it was so fun just to like go bop around and just do stuff. I mean, yeah, we could have went in and had a plan, I'm sure, but but like the margins would have been so small, if anything. Like, I had a really pleasant walk going from the what was it? The thrift store over to Wicker Park. Like our plan was to maybe like bus it or yeah, we didn't. Do we didn't else. do that. We just walked. I forgot about that part. Yeah, I, I actually blanked out how we got from A to B. I was a little. I'm not gonna lie. I had that long run the day before the, the morning of, and I was kind of. I'm on that. I was on that walking struggle bus, but I'm like, you know what? I'm enjoying the vibe. So like, I'm just gonna pretend like my legs don't hurt. 
Yeah. And it was like, I think I almost would have been more stressed trying to optimize that experience by like planning out buses and like staring at Google maps the whole time rather than just looking up and looking around at all the stuff that we walked by. It was, it, it was a good time. I don't think I had been to that part of Wicker Park before. And it was just yeah, really, it, it's a really cool intersection. That intersection at da- Damon. Yeah. Like Damon and uh, North. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's dope. No, it, it's a hype little intersection right there. Like the buildings are cool. It's kind of like a three-way intersection. I forget what the other street is, but um, like here's a, you know what actually is a good example of this. Every time I go on a run now, I like find a new loop around my house. I never know mm-hmm. where I'm going when I walk out the door to run. I'm like, I, I don't even have like a, I have more of an enjoyment now with running without the, the knowing how much mileage or whatever. I just say, I'm just going to go run. I don't, I don't really know. I just take a left turn whenever I feel like it. I take a right turn whenever I feel like it. Then I look at my watch and it's like, I was maybe thinking about running six, but you know what? Four's the vibe. So I'm running four. Um, but what did I do? I went out the door and ran and did cardio. Yeah, and you had way better time because you're A, listening to your body. B, you're creating a novel experience by going on a different route rather than planning one out. And C, creating a element of surprise, which people love surprises. It's good to get a plan out there sometimes, I agree, like coming from people who time block their life. Like Yes, yes. I think the point is though, like that Snoop Dogg commercial where it's him and Andy Sandberg on the beach, when Andy Sandberg is like, I'm going to block off this on my calendar when they're like chilling on the beach and, and Snoop says, here, give me your phone. And he throws it in the bucket of beer. Like, no, don't, don't block your calendar out for uh, other than the fact that you are quite literally going to go in the city with your buddy for the day and yeah, f- like, figure it out. That's as far as it needs to go. You know, you're, you're either you're working or you're not. And if you're on that not working part of the dichotomy, then boom, that's all you need to know on switch or off switch. Yeah, and I think this actually is a good segue into often the, it's actually, I'm making a video on it. Uh, This question gets asked to me so often. I've actually had multiple consulting calls where people ask me about time blocking, dude. And they'll say, how do you uh, deal with the fact that it's not like exactly what you put down? I'm like, homie, what? (laughs) And uh, and then I think, wait, this is how I was originally when I heard about the concept. I did tweak it all the time. And then I went, Okay, so here's the thing. It is a marker for your brain. Like, it's a great reference point. And you can adjust it and be nitpicky about it, but I gave up on that, like, a year ago. Because guess what? It's uh, not good to always be that nitpicky about your time. What is good is having a guide towards generally how many hours you should allocate towards your goals in life. Exactly. I think the the big not so secret secret about time blocking is that all it is is a one level abstracted task management slash to-do list that is time associated. That's all it is. It's just tasks and time associated with it on when generally it's going to happen. If you block out 10 to 11 and it turns out to be 9.55 to 11.15 or 10 30s when you're done you, with it you you were off 15 minutes you clown like no no you shouldn't do why would you why would you react like that to yourself or think like you need to tweak that no it's okay buddy and i think that i i want to be specific here because i think time blocking is a really powerful tool for productivity but there comes a point where something like i don't know like getting ready for bed 
Like you don't need to make it perfect. Like 15 minutes of brushing your teeth, doing a skincare routine. I don't know, reading or meditating, whatever you do before you go to bed. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be optimizing your time. Like if you're really tired that day, I don't know, maybe don't read as long as you had blocked out on your time block. Just go to bed. Yeah. Here's a perfect example. Guess, guess who, guess what I do. Like I care about the time blocks for the working hours regarding how long I should be working on my side hustle. And then when it comes to things like how long I eat lunch or how long I eat dinner or spend time with family or friends on the, on the quote chill in time that is extremely broad or even the pleasure reading section on my nighttime end of the routine. The whole point is just to get a gauge for it. I'm out here actually ending my work sessions a little later than needed. And then the opposite, maybe for some relaxation and vice versa, but really like focusing in on, okay, let me make sure I get all my work done by like seven 30 in the morning for YouTube. Like that's, if you don't do that, yeah, you're not going to be as productive as you want to be. But if you overdo it the other way, then you're constantly tweaking your Google calendar and you're not living life. Exactly. You're not living life. You're not feeling life because I think if you're, again, listening to the way your body's feeling and the way your, your mind is feeling, I think you'd be much better just kind of going with the flow, just being in the act of doing the thing rather than trying to be a little robotic about it. Yeah, and, and there's actually some interesting things in my personal life that I've noticed uh, as well from like my my work and no specific clients, but like I've noticed in some industries, people will focus on, like they have a bunch of different marketing departments, right? They'll have like the marketing department for, uh, let's do some examples. Um, small size company, revenue, middle-sized company revenue, large-sized company revenue. Um, they're, and then a few different products sprinkled in within those. And they'll ask us as like a digital marketing agency to optimize for each conversion type, which means, hey, can you give us conversion A in this specific segmentation, like optimize to it. And then in these other campaigns, like do the same thing for these other conversion types. And then due to that, what you're doing is you're like segmenting things to the point where Google has less signals to optimize towards. And if you just had consolidated things and said to optimize towards overall revenue, the company that you're working with would probably make more money. But instead, all of these guys have their individual marketing goals because they work in these different like mid-size, small-size, large-size marketing teams. And when I say that, I mean the person at the company is supposed to focus on the large company acquisitions for their product or the middle size or the small, small size, like three guys are all then arbitrarily arguing over like, well, look at what my numbers were like both. And it's like, <laughs> dude, just like all of you should be focusing on getting the company's revenue to move forward. I don't know why you have to arbitrarily segment it like this. Why don't you do focus on the overall and then see how it comes in and see where you can maybe get uh, similar to like with the running thing, you can get ancillary benefits uh, from those specific segments. Like there is supplemental things in life where you can be very broad and very simple and then maybe tweak up like some small stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's like 
each of these clients is trying to just like push their specific little agenda versus like just pushing the entire company forward, like whatever that looks like. Yeah, it's like a bunch of different mini heads of marketing departments are like, but my product's doing like specifically good in this way. And what happens is even the engine itself realizes that the overall like product is what's really driving revenue. So it'll optimize to that. But we aren't supposed to call out in reporting that that's what's like driving the increase for the specific product. We're supposed to be like, yeah, only bring up product specific increases so they don't get like worried about it because they they don't want us to be optimizing towards it. But the system's like, homie, um, obviously the main <laughs> things which should be driving your business forward. Haven't you figured that out yet? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear that. I think this is kind of how I feel about, um, I kind of explained this to you about like um, the bike shop. is like, we have a long waiting list of people who want repair bikes. And also when you buy a new bike, people walk into the door and it's the most frustrating thing is someone walks in the door and they're like, I want to walk away with a bike today. And I was like, that cannot happen no matter what bike you pick <laughs> because Rip. it has to go from the manufacturing line. It has to go into our shop and someone has to service it and make sure it's like ready to ride. And all of these bikes, whether it be a repair bike for just like a flat, which is like a few bucks, small change compared to like the new bike that just gets sold all that goes into basically the same waiting line. There's like different mechanics who work on different things generally each day, but we can't get someone a new bike that they just bought back to them that day or the next day because that mechanic who could be fixing it is fixing like a flat for some customer who came in like a week ago and is paying them probably a 20th of the amount that the new bike just brought in. And so it's like, like just optimize for the right things. Like quit, quit trying to optimize like, I don't know, this, this like cool skill that you have that is being a mechanic or like you're just optimizing for the wrong thing almost in this case where like I, I think with both the examples we're bringing yeah, up yeah, here yeah. it's just like you're trying to optimize like your individual value rather than just like like 80-20ing everything yes. and actually looking at what would move the whole needle forward not just you as a person. Exactly. 80-20 in the Pareto principle is something that really is commonly used. Like I have a family member who works in uh, personal finance, he's a financial manager, a uh, financial advisor, right? And he has gotten his clientele to be the, at the point where he's like 90-10 his, like, uh, his work. So essentially 90% of his revenue now comes from 10% of his clients. Yeah. It's like, that's, yes. Just like A1 big clap, shout out. Yeah, because you you're focused on a couple of things then, and that brings home most of the money, and you're not worried too much about other stuff. And it happens in so many different ways. It's often from doing the little things or doing the basic things right, and restraining from the things that could derail you. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it's just. And this is kind of like a, a meta point, I think, of this podcast is like, you only need to really be optimizing for certain parts of your life. You don't need to optimize every part of your life. That's a plague. That's a trap. Like getting back to Ali Abdel's video, the productive skincare routine really probably doesn't exist and really doesn't need to happen. In the same way, you don't need to be optimizing how fast you can fix a flat for some person who randomly came in and tossed the company 35 bucks. Like, no. Let's just optimize the people who bring in thousands of dollars by getting them their bike back right away 
they'll be happier. They'll want to come back and buy another bike potentially with the company and that moves the needle far more forward than that same customer who brings yeah. in 20 bikes for flat fixes. Yeah, and it goes back even one step further than that. If we want to go like, there's actually a funny uh, ism in in YouTube titles for click-through rates as well as ad headlines and descriptions and click-through rates is be one step above caveman speak in your title and that leads to the most clicks so mm. getting rid of ancillary words like you um like ancillary yes what i just did there <laughs> being more to the point in a title if i this is actually a really good example because you know maybe i have a youtube channel that has a very high click through rate so maybe I should use this Ooh. example. Hey, shout out Dimitri Panici. Um, the, what an idiot. So here's an example of a good one. Build Notion pages five times faster. That's just simple and to the point. I'm not saying build Notion. This is how you build Notion pages five times faster. I'm just saying it. Um, hmm. Finally, time blocking in Notion. Not... This is a time, uh, the notion time blocking solution you've been looking for. Like just get, getting rid of the stupid like extra words that exist and going one step back from your bike example, like optimize toward more money. Yeah. Not even, I, I you went on a nice like dive into why optimizing towards the, the people who give you new bike sales leads to yeah. the most revenue. But just go one step back further. Optimize to money. Yeah, exactly. And it, optimize even to time efficiency. Yes. Like it's so much quicker to yes. do that return and it also makes time, you way yeah. more money. Yeah, exactly. Just optimize on return on time. And getting back to like the, the skincare routine, it's like, yeah, like sure, like having a good skincare routine is great, but like do you really need like a productive skincare routine? Like maybe if you just optimize for working hard and reducing stress and optimizing sleep, those things right there would probably help you have healthier skin because a lot of times anytime you have acne, it's usually because of some kind of anxiety or stress that you're carrying. Like cortisol is terrible for acne. Yeah, so there, uh, there's this um, comedy common... I must be really enjoying job recently now that I've been making marketing references. Uh, there's this common thing in marketing, which is like a funnel, upper, uh, upper and lower funnel, lower funnel level strategy, which basically means I always question going into the career. Why can't we just have people spend money in paid search? Like they're already all looking for, for it. It's the most efficient thing. But with brands, it's really important to have the awareness piece. And I never understood it. It's because like this, it's this whole stack of like, you need a constant flow of people coming in in order to have them get down the funnel and then purchase. Like you need to have that whole f full stack funnel. Newsflash, mm. every little aspect of your life isn't a damn marketing funnel. Um, they're usually <laughs> all individual. So when it comes to your workout routine, like, Yes, you can think monkey brain like me and be like, why not just use paid search? Why not just do, why not just wash face every day? Yeah, wash your damn face every day. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to like, well, I need to have this, 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 and this. 
and go in this specific order and always do it. It's like, yes, that may be the ultimate solution to having the perfect skin. But we have only so many damn hours in the day to do all the different things we want. So for me, I want decent skin. Just wash face. Use soap. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's like, I'm sure dermatologists have figured out, like, I'm sure there's some medicine that's better for you, but you need to simplify that's like that system to like one or two medicines. Because if it is anything more, I don't know what Ali Abdul's skincare routine is, but I, I just saw that it is not a short video. <laughs> I just saw that it is not a short video. That's the, that's always the case with Ali Abdul these days. <laughs> but it's like you're, you're going to create more stress trying to keep up that routine than just actually putting out output. And I, and I have a good question for you here because I think this kind of this kind of episode of um, optimizing everything in our life can kind of run against the grain of something like the habit tracker. It's probably one of my favorite parts of using Notion. Yep. And so. We've built a lot of habits, you and I, going through books and just kind of uh, on the self-help journey. And so I don't know, I don't know how many habits I'm at at this point, but it's a it's, it's a fair amount, and I'm sure it's similar for you. But is it more about tracking these things or just putting out the output? Because we're we're certainly doing both, right? Yeah. Okay. So this leads me to a a comment that someone commented recently or was like, oh, well, you know, if they're really habits, you'd never need to track them. And I was like, yeah, yeah, good point. Haha. <laughs> and like a response. But honestly, <laughs> in my head, I was like, really, dude? Like, this is what you're commenting on my YouTube video right now? This is what you're doing, taking your time out of your day to do? I, I, this is this is where we're at in life. You just got to make that like arbitrary, like <laughs> semantic point. I, I have never liked semantics and I'm not sure if I ever will. And yes, Technically, they are not habits if they're required to be tracked. However, genius, in the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is the Bible for habit formation, we know (laughs) about cue, craving, response, and reward, where the cue for me is the fact that the habit tracker exists and I need to monkey brain check the damn box. So guess what? I will do them more often. Are they technically habits based on the dictionary definition because sometimes I need a, a new cue no, but that also is arbitrarily right and wrong at the same time because they're in the stage of habit formation, which are if everything you're doing, which then you can make an argument that everything is always constantly in a state of habit formation and nothing is habit because you always need a cue for anything to be done ever outside of you literally having <laughs> twitches. And going on social media. Yeah. So... There's that, that's my response to people saying habit trackers aren't really like, they're not really habits then. Okay. Like, I don't, I, I mm. Yeah, I hear you're saying. Because you can, you made a little note here about like, it's less about do less tracking systems and more output systems. Well, yes. And the fact that the habit tracking system exists for me and maybe for you is because it leads me to create more output. It's not yeah. about, I, I got away from double checking that I ever, how often I actually complete them. I use them as a means to achieve the output because sometimes I forget because I'm human. Yeah. I mean, that's how I kind of feel about, um, one of the habits I've been building is, um, learning Vietnamese on Duolingo. 
and Duolingo does this fun thing for me where like you have like a streak on Duolingo in my like 87 days or whatever. Yeah, I love this thing, yeah. But it's such a fake streak because if you, they employ like the, the five out of seven rule where it's like if you can miss like two days in the week but not back-to-back days. They stole my can, thing. They they give you like a little like freeze thing. Like you get like like for a certain amount of coins, you get like a unfreeze. It's where it's like, oh, you missed yesterday, but like we'll unfreeze it and keep your hot streak going. And so like, they don't give you an additional day. Like you don't get two days for doing one day worth of lesson, but they keep your streak alive. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like it's not really like Duolingo and me both understand that like this isn't really about the streak, like. Sure, like it's nice to have that, and like sometimes I think about that, but like for me, it's not about like having the streak. Like if the streak went away, that's fine. I have the Duolingo app staring at me on my home screen, and I have the Notion habit tracker telling me to do it because the ultimate end is not to build up the streak, but to learn Vietnamese. <gasps> what? What? Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like I I, I kind of appreciate Duolingo for like acknowledging that like we're all monkey brain who like we need some kind of cue and like a, a streak is like a really nice like way to go about doing that. But at the end of the day, I, it's just not the point. And like they, they throw like a leaderboard at you too. And it's like, I don't, I never care about my XP. Oh, I'm in the Sapphire league. I, I don't care. Yeah. It's like outside of that streak existing and me saying, yay, that's nice. No, I don't think the habit trackers are anything more than a cue for me because I don't go through and reflect on them from a numerical standpoint. I reflect every once in a while in my journal about like, you know, like hypnosis. That was kind of a fun like gimmick thing for a minute. Maybe I need to get more back into it. I think I'm good with where I'm at with my habits. If I fit more time into it, maybe I'll get back into it. If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at riseproductive.com slash membership or on your favorite podcast app. Once you do, you'll get full-length access to these episodes of the Rise Productive Podcast, as well as access to our subscriber-only podcast and newsletter, The Weekly Pour Over.